Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. And today we are finishing up Matthew chapter 25. If you're just joining us, we're going through an introduction to the gospel series where I'm going through the book of Matthew one chapter a day or sometimes more than one day where we're looking at the history and the background of the culture. Because sometimes as modern readers, some of those things are just lost on us. And so my heart really is to help you understand that because it helps reveal God's character and God's nature and it helps you really understand its relevancy for your lives. Before we get into that, I just want to make mention of our sponsor for the show today. It's Compassion International. And if you've not been following along with the show, we are on a mission along with Compassion to sponsor 30 children by the end of the year. If you would like to join us on that mission, you can go to the show links and you can see, you can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus, or you can even text to give. And one of the things that I love, which this is kind of a new development is we are actually targeting highly vulnerable children. One of the things that's always heavy on my heart, and if you have known me for some time or if you've listened to the podcast for some time, is I've done a lot of work in the area of anti-trafficking. And it's an area that is just, I'm very passionate about. And even going back to my roots in some of the African countries I worked in, I helped start different kinds of programs that that really helped girls in that way because it is a completely different story in some of the other areas of the world. Well, one of the things that I found out recently was that with Compassion, they have different designations for children that are in highly vulnerable situations and they're vulnerable to exploitation. And so what we did is we took the first hundred kids. So when you go and you look at compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus, the first 100 children are children that are vulnerable to exploitation because my heart is really that we could be able as an organization, as a ministry, as a company, help rescue some of those most vulnerable children from some of those most vulnerable situations. And so you can do lots of fun things. You can look at different dates, different birth dates, genders, those kinds of things. But I would just encourage you to check it out. And if you've never heard of Compassion before, then look at our couple episodes that we have that answer a lot of questions you might have, but you can make a difference in the life of a child with the life-saving message of the gospel. So just want to give that little plug because we're so close to that 30 of trying to get there by the end of the year. So today we are in Matthew chapter 25. We're picking up at verse 31 and I'm reading from the NASB version and I'm going to go ahead and read and then we'll talk about it afterwards. It says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick 
and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed people, in the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or as a stranger or naked or sick or in prison or did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So what we're seeing here is another one of the parables that talks about judgment. The four parables that we've studied prior to this were all judgment parables, but those ones had all had the emphasis on getting your life prepared. The emphasis on this one is on the judgment of those that are excluded from the reward of eternal life and and salvation and those that are admitted to eternal life and salvation. And so he starts by talking about judging the sheep and the goats. I don't know about you, but for me, the implication here wasn't immediately available to my mind and my heart because I don't regularly interact with sheep and goats. Maybe you do, but I think for a lot of us, we don't really understand what's going on here. And we have to remember, I say this all the time, while scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to an ancient people group that was an agrarian society, meaning they were farmers. They had sheep and goats. They knew exactly what he was talking about and what he was referring to. And so in this parable, He's talking about this Jewish idea, really, of God judging the nations on the day of judgment. And so judgment was a common theme in their culture. It was something that would be a regular part of their discussions. And Jesus is talking about having the authority to be the final judge where God would distinguish between the sheep and the goats. What does that mean? Well, it's actually referred to in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, And actually, most of 34 is all about sheep. So you might want to go back and read that whole chapter. But verse 17 says, As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. So sheep and goats often would graze together. And some scholars would talk about how the shepherds in Palestine at the time would separate the sheep and the goats at night because the goats needed warm air at night and the sheep preferred the open air. And the sheep were considered more valuable in that culture, more valuable than the goats. And so typically the owners would have more sheep than goats. And there was a greater profitability, meaning the sheep would bring in more income, more money. And that was kind of a cultural preference as well. But also people in that time frame would prefer the goat and the sheep cheese to the stuff that was made from cow's milk. There was clothing that was made from the sheep and the goat's skin and their fur, or I guess, what would you call it? Their wool. And so there was, there was an issue of preference, but typically they would see as the sheep having more value in that culture than the actual goat. Sheep are often consistent with the image of God's people. They are described as sheep and he is described as a shepherd. And so 
Jesus is referring specifically to Israel and also his disciples. Goats do not occur in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, 70% of the references to goats have to do with sacrifice, meaning goats were offered for sin sacrifice. And they often talk about the scapegoat, which is a symbolic way to talk about how sin was removed from a community. And so it's interesting because still you might be thinking, what does this even mean? Well, in most areas of the world, the problem of separating the sheep from the goats isn't a problem. We don't have to do that in most of our cultures. You know, there's not a flock of sheep and goats mixed in my front yard. But in the land surrounding Palestine at the time, that's what would happen. The sheep and the goats would often run together. And also the breeds that were native to that area often looked a lot alike. They would be the same size. They would be the same color. They would be the same shape. And so you can start to see the symbolism here. The goats may look like sheep. The goats may sound like sheep. The goats may even act like sheep. They're around the sheep. But it's the shepherd that knows the difference. And when the time comes, it's the shepherd that will separate them. And so the explanation for why the sheep received the inheritance of the kingdom is what he's talking about in verse 35, where he starts talking about, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And what he's doing is he's talking about how as believers, the ones that truly are following God's will and God's plan for their lives, they are going to do things like caring for the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger and the naked and the sick and the imprisoned, providing for the poor or giving hospitality to the stranger or visiting the sick. Those are all basic things that was required and expected in the Jewish culture. And so what he's doing is he's declaring that this idea of true righteousness, we've been talking for a month now about heart righteousness versus head righteousness, that true righteousness that starts in the heart, it's going to be displayed in the way that you care for others around you, caring for the needy. In scripture, God judged people for how they treated the poor. We see that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so Jesus is talking about this. And even if you think about this in terms of his disciples, he's sending out the disciples and he's getting ready to depart from them. He's getting ready to leave and he's trying to make sure that his disciples are going to be taken care of. And think about this in terms of missionaries, missionaries and ministry leaders. They need shelter and food and help if they're imprisoned and all sorts of complications that can come up with the ministry and when there's persecution, especially involved. And so when you receive them, when you help them, it's the same thing as if you are receiving Christ. That's the point he's making. And so this idea of eternal life is promised to those that are righteous, that are displaying the outward behavior of an indication of an inward decision and inward posture of righteousness because of their belief in Jesus. And so I want to make this point. There are basically two types of people. And he's basically saying there are people that have followed him. And then there are people that are not just not followers of him, but are against him. And at the end, there's going to be this final separation where the ones that are followers of him, that are believers, they are going to be eternally in heaven and they're going to be in relationship with him. But for the others, there's this eternal punishment. And, you know, at the time, the Jewish culture, and some people even today still believe this, was that hell was not eternal, that hell was not permanent, that it would be a certain amount of time and eventually those people would be burned up 
or maybe release. The Jewish teachers would even talk about that. But what Jesus is doing is he's making the point that it absolutely is eternal. He's making it clear that that is a permanent decision. And so it's in essence saying you need to get your life together now. You need to realize that this is serious, that I'm here, that this is the decision you have to make. He's not just talking about, are you for me or are you against me? Because I think we would all easily say, if you're against God, there's going to be some consequence for that. But he's also talking about those that are ambivalent towards him, people that just don't even care. Because the bottom line is, if you're not for Jesus, you are against him. And so that's kind of what he's talking about here. And, you know, there are people that are going to be on that left side of Jesus that are going to be headed towards hell that are going to be surprised. You know, the five virgins that we talked about in in yesterday's passage or the wicked servant that we talked about who didn't invest his talent, they were condemned to punishment. And it wasn't necessarily for some heinous sin that they committed, but it was for their failure to do the right thing to live in this posture of readiness that is evidence of a heart that is surrendered to God. So here he's not talking about things like demon worship. He's talking about the sins of omission, meaning these sins are also worth eternal damnation because they're evidence of a person that has not been made right by the work of the Holy Spirit. See, he's talking about this overflow of the heart. And yes, a hundred percent, and don't get me wrong, it is our belief in Jesus and our confession that he died on the cross and he rose again. That is what gets us into heaven. But part of the process that happens when we come to faith in Jesus is there's the sanctification process, this process of where Jesus is going to make us like him. And when our hearts and minds are surrendered to him, there will be an overflow of the heart that's going to start to spell out. It's the fruit of the spirit, which we will get into that more. But if you think about this in terms of just maybe like an apple tree, I have an apple tree outside my window. On the apple tree are apples. Why? Because it's an apple tree. It's an indication the fruit is from that certain kind of tree. There will be fruit in the life of a believer. So I think the question here is, is your life bearing the fruit of love, the fruit of being a believer in God, of the fruit of being somebody that has a heart that is surrendered to Jesus? And if the answer is no, I would push back and I would say, why? Why not? Why is your life not reflecting what God calls us to do? Why is it not surrendered? And and the outward act of what is the overflow of our heart will be a really good indication of what's on the inside. The righteous acts, the acts of the things that God has called us to do, they spring from a heart that has been made righteous by the Spirit of God. And then the unrighteous act, even acts of omission, meaning not doing the things he's called us to do, it indicates a heart that is lacking the spirit's work of transformation. And so we can get there together. If this is something you're struggling with, we have all sorts of resources to help you get there. But I think it starts with you asking the question why and really examining your own. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and read chapter 25, starting at verse 31. It says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another. Just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine who did it for me, that he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed people into the eternal fire for which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or as a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray. God, these feel like heavy words, heavy in our hearts. If we are not recognizing the call that is on our lives to serve others in this way, God, help us to recognize that it's not even a burden, but it is an overflow of our heart as we are chasing after you. And God, I pray that you would help our hearts to be burdened by the things that burden your heart, God, the the people that are needing help around us. God, move our hearts, help us to see those needs and act accordingly. God, I thank you that you are a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and multiple chances, God. Forgive us for the ways that we've screwed up and God help us to reconcile those with this call to be obedient to who you've called us to be. God help the work of the Holy Spirit to be evident in our lives to those around us and evident even in our own hearts and minds as we feel moved to be obedient to the call that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick before we go, I just want to say that I didn't even realize it until we got to this end of this passage that if you are somebody that is thinking, okay, I need to take this seriously. I am not doing what God has called me to do. And even though I have a heart for some of those things that you mentioned today, I don't know the the first place to start. Well, I will say that our partnership with Compassion International does exactly that. They do holistic programming and I'm not trying to just do this shameless plug. You know, it's my heart that more than 30 kids would be sponsored, but One of the things that Compassion does is they go into some of the most vulnerable places of the world. They find kids that are hungry and they feed them. They find kids that are thirsty and they give them something to drink. They give them the gospel. They make them friends instead of strangers. They invite them in so they are no longer lonely. They give them clothes so they're no longer naked. And when they're sick, they give them medicine. And we actually even talked about what it's like to be in prison with the interview I did with Jay and and the difference that the gospel made for their lives. That is a really easy way to start. And so if you'd like more information, head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus, where you can get all the information or you can reach out to me, Rachel at shehears.org. And I would love to explain that to you further. I pray for you and I pray that you would even just join me in this prayer of if you're maybe you're somebody that already has sponsored a compassion child or gives in a different way. Would you join me in prayer that we would be able to get 30 children sponsored by the end of the year? Thanks for listening today, friends. We'll talk tomorrow. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, 
If this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.